the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Season Watch with Wendy Scott, where we observe the things coming on the earth through biblical binoculars, because the Bible is both timely and timeless. With her master's degree in rhetoric and writing skills, Wendy is a part-time college professor, but a full-time truth professor. She believes the Word of God is His perfect revelation, including a young earth six-day creation, as well as the global flood inundation, and that Israel is God's chosen nation. Faith alone in Jesus is salvation, the true church rapture, comes pre-tribulation, followed by Christ's millennial domination and his eternal kingdom with earth's regeneration. Jesus is coming without hesitation. And now, here's Wendy with today's topic. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me again for Season Watch. And of course, we're going to start with prayer. Well, Jesus, we just thank you again as we really start this year and continue to follow you. Many of us are starting to read our Bibles every day, hopefully, and we want to see you. We want to see you in our daily lives. We want to walk with you. We want you to anoint us for your work. Lead us by your right hand, Lord, and guide us with your counsel. We just praise you, God, for your promises, and we ask you to help us to watch and to trust in you for this season. And so we give these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, I hope you're doing well out there. Uh, There's just so many little things for us to get caught up in. In our daily lives, we have a lot of responsibilities, and we must honor them. We must do the right thing and take care of business. But Satan also has a way of making us Uh, get caught up in the little things that don't matter quite so much. So, God, we just pray for discernment right now that we can tell the difference uh, because the day is approaching and the time is short. Things are moving fast, and the media is careful to kind of keep us in the dark so we don't put it all together. We'll just be happy with, you know, games and circuses, as the Romans said. But I urge you to flip the switch in your mind and start looking at the world as if it's about to be turned upside down. Remember, it was turned upside down in 2020. We weren't ready for that. I'm suggesting it's about to be again. So I ask you to prayerfully listen to this in the next episode and to send out links to the podcast. I urge you by the Spirit of God to listen and discern with your heart whether the things that will be said ring true. Read your Bible, check them for yourselves, and ask God to give you wisdom. For 2,000 years, people have wondered about this very time that we're living in. And remember what Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 8, that there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who love his appearing. And we must love and long for him to return to take us out of this wicked world before the coming judgment. Friends, if you don't love his appearing, if you're not eagerly awaiting the Lord's return, consider where your heart is. Evaluate that. Pray about that. All right? So, friends, fasten your truth belts as we talk today about the timing of the rapture. And I think you'll be surprised what I propose. In the last episode, we discussed how all Scripture and prophecies point to a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. 
Jesus promised in John 14, 3 to come again and receive us to himself and to take us to his father's house that he has prepared for us and that some will be taken or received and others will be left behind in Matthew 24. And those who are left behind will claim to know Jesus, but he will shut the door and say, I never knew you. And that's Matthew 25. And then we saw in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, the actual scripture that confirms the rapture, that we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Woohoo! What a promise. So we discussed how this term caught up is a Greek harpazo, and that it's actually been used, turned into rapture or from the Latin word, and that's the word we use the most. We also discussed how the Bible calls the church the bride of Christ, and that all of Jesus's parables describe a groom returning for his bride to come and to receive her to the marriage supper in his father's house. And so we also Throughout the Bible, we see the same pattern that uh, God has of preserving his chosen people from his wrath of judgment, as seen in Noah and the flood, and Lot from Sodom, and Israel from the plagues of Egypt, as well as the righteous that he sent into the Babylonian captivity before the destruction of Jerusalem. And he even pointed out when he sent the righteous into captivity, he warned those left behind. And he said, you think that I sent them ahead and that they're the cursed ones. No, they're the ones that I'm preserving. I'm going to destroy this city with you in it, basically. I'm paraphrasing. And so we've firmly established that these patterns exist of God preserving his faithful called ones from his wrath of judgment. And we also established that the prophecies and scripture point to a seven-year tribulation. We saw that in Daniel Uh, described as the 70th week, starting in 924 to 27, or the time of Jacob's trouble, Daniel 12, 1, and Jeremiah 37. And that's when God turns again toward Israel, and he's going to use the distress of this 70th week or this seven-year period to open the eyes of the faithful to their Messiah, Yeshua, and in the end preserve Israel and his promises to them. And so that will be the day of the Lord and his great outpouring of wrath on the wicked nations during the tribulation. It's described throughout Scripture, Psalm 2, Isaiah 26, 28, Luke 21, 35. All of Revelation really is too many to, uh, to list, that there are so many judgments. Um, and so the Lord will rapture the church in 1 Thessalonians 4, and there will be a pre-tribulation rapture, which we just discussed because the bride is not appointed to endure the wrath, just like all the other biblical patterns. And so we've established this, so go back and listen to those if you like. Uh, The question now is, can we know or have a sense of the timing of when this rapture is imminent? And so in approaching the endeavor, we must balance the two types of warnings we seem to get from the Bible. First, that often repeated incantation that people use, Mark 13, 32, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. It's also in Matthew twenty four thirty six. So alarmists have chanted this verse for centuries to warn off those interested in exploring the possible timing of the rapture and to end and the end of the world, um, and to appoint to this this idea that if you're trying to set a date, then it's like a kind of a heresy. No man knows. They scold. 
And so, of course, many have actually set dates on the rapture. Obviously, they were wrong. Um, And the Bible takes seriously anyone who prophesies in God's name, and it doesn't come to pass to the very detail. It actually says that that prophet is, is a false prophet, worthy of death. And so those people are making pronouncements for their own benefit. So, of course, we're cautioned. We know, don't set dates. Don't, don't, uh, don't pretend to speak for the Lord or whatever. But let's look at that same verse again. The one caution that people use against trying to set some kind of parameter uh, before we let it sweep us away from our curiosity altogether. So Mark 32, uh, 13.32 says, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the Father, uh, not even the Son. It does not say the season or even the year. It says day or hour. So now if we think about that, let's balance that against the other uh, clear indication that Jesus gives um, and uh, of what he wants us to do, and all the other verses that were to actually look for signs. In fact, if we listen to the rest of Jesus' warning in context from that very same verse, Mark thirteen thirty two, we see it actually says a lot more. Mark thirteen thirty two of the day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, the Son of Man, with the Father. Only take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going into a far country who has left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each of his own work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you not know when the hour of uh, when the master of the house is coming in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. So we see clearly he only gives one caution saying, Nobody knows the exact day or hour. However, you're supposed to watch. And there's way more warnings to watch the signs and the seasons. Um, we see in Matthew 24, 32, now learn the parable of the fig tree. When the branch is already near and tender, pushes forth leaves, you know it's summer's near. So also when you see these things, know that it is near. And at the doors, assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away until all these things be fulfilled. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. So that's a whole different scripture. And um, Matthew 24, But if the evil servant says in his heart, My master's delaying is coming, uh, the master of the servant will come in a day when he is not looking for him, in an hour that he's not aware. And he will cut him in two and appoint him with the hypocrites. That's terrible. Um, then Matthew 25, 1, then the kingdom of heaven shall be like a, uh, likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Then the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding and the door was shut. Afterwards, the foolish virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. So clearly, we're urged to watch, to pay attention, to watch the times of the seasons. And then, of course, there's our favorite verse from Season Watch, Luke 21. Now, when you see these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. So you also, when you see these things happen, know that the kingdom of God is near. Surely, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until these things take place. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts get weighed down in the cares of this life, and that day come upon you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare to all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray 
always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So we see these warnings are clear. In fact, he was most critical of those who ignored all the evidence that the Messianic prophecies were being fulfilled right in front of them, right? He says in Matthew sixteen three to the Pharisees, hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. That word also means seasons. So we're warned by Jesus many more times to be vigilant and to watch and to be ready, right? And to warn others. And it's important to warn others. We know this from Ezekiel 33 when he says, verse 2, Son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, when I bring a sword upon the land, by the way, it's always God who does it, um, and the watchman of the people sees the sword coming upon the land. If he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, then his blood shall be on his own head. But he who takes warning uh, will save his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any person from among them, He's taken away in his own iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. So you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore shall you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. All right, so we see that the faithful are called to be vigilant, to warn others of his soon coming wrath, to anticipate and to love his appearing. Okay, so now that we've dispensed with those stern warnings not to investigate the possible timing of the rapture, we will venture to do it. Oh, no. So I confess that although I have a strong reason for my assessment of the timing, I also hold it loosely. I don't proclaim to be right, or this is not a thus says the Lord thing. Um, I'm telling you that um, that we should remain vigilant and that whether this is correct or not, it doesn't really matter because he does call us to remain vigilant. We know he's coming soon. Most of all, I do not set a date. No man knows the day or the hour, but I'm hoping we get a little closer right now. I will venture to set a year. Oh my, we'll see how it goes, at least for fun. All right. So, and this estimation is completely based on biblical patterns and known historical events. So, are you ready? Here we go. First of all, we know that the Bible and and the historical background confirms that, here we go, Adam, from Adam to Abraham, was about 2,000 years. From Abraham to Jesus was about 2,000 years. From Jesus until now has been about 2,000 years. Interesting, right? And then we also know that after the tribulation, Jesus will set up his millennial reign, a 1,000 years. So if we simply look at this pattern, we find that each stage of God's revelation is about 2,000 years. From Adam to Abraham, every individual had the covenant of sacrifice for sin and the freedom to follow and worship God. From Abraham on, uh, Abraham formed the nation of Israel, which brought the covenant of the law of sacrifice and the promise of the Messiah through Israel. That's the next one. Jesus fulfilled the law and brought the covenant of grace. He was the final sacrifice for sins. And so each of these covenant stages was about 2,000 years. Add that to the millennial reign or 1,000 years of peace when Jesus rules the nation with a rod of iron. And in total, we have 7,000 years. 
This clearly represents the creation week, right? Can you see that? Six days of creation, one day of rest, and we've got 6,000 years of dispensation, so to speak, and 1,000 years of a Sabbath. Uh, oddly enough, even Peter said when he was describing the end of the age in Second Peter 3, 8, but beloved, be do not forget this one thing, that the Lord... With the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. So we're not actually going to use that as our only calculus for this, but it's an interesting uh, pattern of truth that we see. One thousand years is like a day. So if we were to kind of incorporate that, we take a look at um, God appears to be echoing the creation week, or the other way around, maybe God's preparing us for the the 7,000 years of stages. And we see that, indeed, history, the history of the world, according to the biblical records, is about 6,000 years old. Now, I know some of my Jewish friends will say, no, it's only year 5,784, but that's very close. And there's a lot of reasons we won't get into that this is a calculus, again, um, that could have some flaws in it that we won't get into here. It's not the inspired, you know, date. But uh, if we do add up what's in the Bible, we get pretty much 6,000 years. And, um, and so if this pattern is accepted, it's likely then that we would want to know when did the 2,000-year clock start for Jesus' new covenant of grace, right? So we're going to figure out when the tribulation will start. We want to know, well, when did Jesus' new covenant start? What year was that? So we know that there's been some dispute over our current calendar that Jesus is probably not born on year 1 A.D., but scholars have arguments uh, between a few years before 1 A.D. It's not completely settled. Therefore, some have argued for different years concerning the Jesus' death and resurrection, just within a, a couple of years there. However, what we do know, and this is what's interesting, is the date of when the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed. That date and year is well documented and indisputable, and the temple was destroyed in 70 A.D. Jesus prophesied this event several times, including in Luke 21, 5. Uh, then some disciples spoke of the temple and how these things were adorned with beautiful stones. And he said, these things which you see, the days will come in which not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains and those who are in the midst depart and out of, go not into the country." For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. And Jesus also explained uh, the reason for this judgment. Woe unto you. This is Matthew twenty three twenty nine. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous, and say, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Therefore, you are witnesses against yourselves that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. Serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute 
from city to city, that on you may come all the righteous bloodshed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Therefore, your house is left unto you desolate. So we see this is the reason for the destruction, for the refusal of his revelation and his gift of uh, fulfilling the messianic prophecies. And we see the same description in Luke 19. Uh, Now, as in verse 41, now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known even you, especially this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. So we know that the destruction of Jerusalem was this day of vengeance for rejecting Jesus. It also served to destroy the temple system because Jesus was the new covenant of grace. And the old covenant under the law of animal sacrifice was done away. So since the destruction of the of, uh, the temple in Jerusalem was in 70 AD, it appears that God gave Israel once again time, in fact, a generation to receive his new covenant and believe on all those Uh, things that Jesus had done in the midst of them. Everybody knew about Jesus and his claims to be the Messiah. And we know, based on biblical patterns, that that God gives 50 years, uh, sorry, that God gives 40 years for this time of testing. As he said to Israel after the miracles in Exodus and the giving of the law, when they had rebelled, it says in Deuteronomy 8.2, and explains this time of testing, it says, And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. In fact, we see God using the increments of 40 frequently in the Bible to represent a time of testing to reveal whether the person or the group will follow God or succumb to their own desires or whatever's making them afraid. And in fact, Jesus endured 40 days in the wilderness uh, to prepare him and to fulfill all righteousness, and he endured. So, therefore, if God gave Jerusalem 40 years, just as he has before in other patterns, to receive his promises for salvation, where Jesus actually fulfilled all the messianic prophecies right in front of them, he gave them 40 years to, to decide for themselves all the things that they had seen and that had been done before them. If he gave 40 years, just like before, and then destroyed the temple for their unbelief and to scatter them and to destroy the law system of sacrifice, um, then that would put the Passover where Jesus was killed and resurrected 40 years before 70 A.D. at 30 A.D. You see that? Which would mean that 2,000 years exactly— from 30 AD, which appears to be when Jesus was killed and resurrected, until uh, the establishment of his millennial kingdom, 2,000 years after 30 AD, 
would put the establishment of the millennial kingdom and the start of the final thousand years, the Sabbath years, at 2030. Interestingly, these globalists of the World Economic Forum and all their confederates have their own target agenda to accomplish all their plans for world domination by 2030. Agenda 2030. Look it up. So Satan can do math also, can't he? That puts the start of the millennial kingdom at 2030, which would end the seven-year tribulation period as detailed in Revelation as well as Daniel's 70th week. We've gone over this. Um, However, as we established in the last episode, the church will be raptured before the tribulation begins, which will end the times of the Gentiles and usher in Daniel's 70th week. So based on these very simple established prophecies and biblical patterns, the rapture of the church will come seven years before the millennial reign of 2030, which suggests that the rapture will happen in 2023 this year. Oh my goodness, what do we think about that? I don't know. Decide for yourselves if the evidence fits together. You know, I urge you to pray for yourself and ask God, what do you think? Uh, is it possible he's not coming this year? Am I saying for sure he's not? he is going to come get us this year? I don't know. I don't know for sure. But the patterns fit, and the things that we're seeing right now point to a very near uh, rapture. And the quickness with things are happening, which we'll talk about next time, really lend itself to fitting all together this way. And friends, I'm going to live as if he's coming this year. What can it hurt? I'm not telling you what to do with this information. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider it and to ask the Lord to show you. And if indeed he's coming this year, then we have some work to do. We have people to tell. We can't waste any time. We can't assume it will be passed this year because that's kind of some good evidence, uh, if I say so myself. Why? Because it's patterns that God has set up. Yes, Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour, but we are to watch for the season to begin, to watch and be ready. Are you ready? And so join us in the next episode. We're going to discuss the imminent rapture of the true church and who that is. And we'll look at specific current events, interesting things that are happening there. We're in the last seconds, ticking down the last seconds, and we'll talk about those. Until then, I urge you, God bless you all. If you have not received Jesus, please don't wait any longer. Ask him to pay for your sins. Tell him you want to go with us in the rapture, and he will lead you. He will guide you. He will take you into his care when all these things begin and you'll be reserved. You will be preserved from it all. Thank you and God bless. Join Wendy Scott every Saturday at 3 p.m. on K-Praise for another episode of Season Watch. Previous episodes can be found through the K-Praise podcast platform where you can also access Wendy's other platforms and contact links. Please email Wendy with show comments, questions, or suggestions at wscott at mywordsforhim.com or visit her website at mywordsforhim.com for additional resources. Watch other teachings on her Rumble channel. Wendy's Words for Him, her fiction novel, The Lost, A Story of Christmas, can be found on Amazon. Until next week, watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.